We've got one more stretch to go. We're going to talk about some interesting things. Sort of rounding off the, the area. And then we're also going to talk about some CT scans. So we've talked about all of the pelvic structures. We've talked about bones and muscles and nerves and arteries. And you guys are all freaking out and wanting to tear your hair out. Very importantly, keep breathing. Look at pictures. And stay calm. It is a lot of information, but you'll get it and you'll do it again. You'll see some of this in lab, thankfully. And if you go over it again, you'll realize that we've really much hit all of the major things you need to know for this section. Okay, so when it comes to pelvic fractures, the pelvis doesn't fracture that easily. Yes, pathological conditions will give a higher chance of pelvic fractures if I have a problem with the, um, the bones, but usually we have a high energy. And what, is, what do I mean with a high energy? Falling from a great height, motor vehicle accidents, pedestrian accidents, that kind of thing. Anything that puts a great amount of force on the pelvis. Now, pelvic fractures are associated with a high morbidity and mortality. And the reason for that is because of the complications. Now, we can have complications of the fractures themselves, or we can have complications in, the ter in, in terms of other things that happen at the same time, such as head injuries and so on. In terms of the complications of the fractures themselves, we mostly focus, and the most prominent complications here refer to our vasculature. Now, you've seen the space of the pelvis. It's small. There's a lot of arteries in there. There's a lot of vessels. So if I try to disrupt or if I disrupt any part of that pelvic cavity, I'm going to put the vessels at risk. Now, there's three different patterns we're going to talk about today, and we'll briefly talk through each of them, why they occur and how they occur, and hopefully this will help you to understand the ligaments and the structures around it as well as the bones themselves. So the first one we're going to do are AP, or anterior-posterior compression fractures, and they're also referred to as open book fractures. And this happens because of a sequence of events. So you can see degrees of this. How, does the for how is the force being uh, transmitted? It's transmitted from anterior to posterior. So if I were to stand like this, I'm going to crush this way. Right? What happens first is disruption on the pubic symphysis region. This can either be a tear in the symphysis itself, the symphysis can tear off the bone, or I can have a small piece of bone fracturing off. There's a lot of reasons why this can happen. This makes the anterior aspect of the pelvis unstable because the pubic symphysis is no longer attached. If I continue to put pressure on it, it's going to start to buckle. Why? Because I now have this area being displaced, 
So here I have the pelvic, um, sorry. Here I have the pelvic girdle. There's the sacrum. The force is being projected from this view, and it flips open like a book. But it has to have the pubic symphysis fractured or the pubic symphysial area broken first. That can then lead to fracture of the or breaking, tearing of the ischial, the sacrotubus and sacrospinous ligaments, as well as the sacroiliac joint. Sacroiliac joint will separate rather than fracture. If the sacroiliac joint separates first, I might not have damage to the ligaments. So what does this look like when I have an x-ray in front of me? Basically, a large gap between the two pubic bones. Okay? Just looking at this makes me want to cringe because it looks painful. Right? If I'm looking at the back here, remember we talked about the sacroiliac joint, and you can see the faint line of the sacroiliac joint there. Here, the sacroiliac joint cavity is a little larger. So instead of it being medial to the line where I expect the sacrum to end, I see the line for the joint lateral. It means the space has increased. Right. Looking at it from on a different image, there I have the pubic symphysis being separated. I have the sacroiliac joint separated, and in this case, we also have separation of the ligaments. The ligaments have also been torn because I can see not only just the space, but also an anterior-posterior displacement. Okay. Now, the mechanism here is basically what I've just explained. There's pressure from anterior to posterior, the pubic symphysis breaks, sequentially the sacroiliac joint will fail, and then we'll have the ligaments break. The ligaments may also break before the sacroiliac joint separates. Now, this can happen in one, on one side alone, or it can also happen on both sides at the same time. Now, the next one we're going to talk about is a lateral compression. It's also known as a sacral buckle. Now, sacral buckle sounds strange, but where's the force coming? The force is coming from laterally. It's pressing on the ilium and the, iliac cre uh, the ileal blade. So it's pressing forward. It's pressing forward. It's pulling on the sacrum, on the wing of the sacrum, and the sacrum fails by fracturing along the area where the foramina are. This is a weak spot. When you hold the sacrum in your hands, you've seen this in, in your first lab, you hold the sacrum in your hands, you realize that that area where the foramina are are very thin, so they break e easily. So this is essentially a crushing by pulling the, um, the ileum forward and pushing the sacrum onto itself. And it's like using, if you take something that's um, like a, a piece of plastic that's really tough, if you keep pulling, keep pulling, it's going to crack on one side basically what happens to the sacrum. So here we have our little video, little um, explanation. But as that damage, as this part gets damaged, I also have extra str um, pressure 
being put on my superior and inferior pubic rami. And so they may fracture as well. And this is very nice to identify on the x-ray because it gives you a nice little instep. And then we also may have a transverse fracture of the ileum itself. This one does not always occur. Um, and if it does, it occurs after the sacrum has fractured. What happens? It's being pushed inward. Okay. Now you can imagine how many vessels are going to get damaged when you're looking at something like this, right? Same as here. Here, maybe not so much, but here we have a lot of vessels around it. So if you look here, there's our iliopectoneal line, and it's being interrupted here by a space. What am I going to do when I look at an x-ray? When we talked about the thoracic x-rays, we said that one view is not enough. In this case, I'm always going to look at the side where the problem is not. And I'm going to compare that with the side where I think the problem is. So if we continue with this, well, iliopectoneal line disrupted on the right, but on the left it's continuous. And there's my little disruption. Look now at the comparison between these two areas. I also have a disruption here of what is known as the ilioischial line. Now, the ilioischial line is again one of those things we only use and only see in radiography. Why? Because it's not there on the bone. It's a line created by the image itself. So from the ilium here, going along the ischial tuberosity, and there I have a very faint but visible disruption. And because this is what it appears like on x-rays, fractures are commonly referred to as discontinuities instead of as fractures because there's no continuation between the, the different structures. So if you're looking at the same image, just a little closer up, there you can see the fracture through the superior pubic ramus, and here you can see the fracture through the inferior pubic ramus. So who can tell me what is this teardrop structure that I can see there? Acetabular fossa, good. Now, what I could also see Remember, we had a fracture going through the sacral foramina. We'll also see a step in what are known as the arcuate lines. Again, these arcuate lines on the sacrum are purely for radiological purposes. So if I see there, I have a normal side. And then on the other side, I'm going to have a little step. There's the one little step there. Okay, and I can just see a little discontinuity there between the two. And this is where the buckle effect is happening. Now, I like this image in terms of explaining the, me the mechanism behind this fracture. So this is a, an image, uh, uh, an axial uh, section or a horizontal section. There's the ilium. This is posterior aspect of the ilium. There's the SI joint. And there you can see the sacrum. And now, what happened? There's the sacral foramina. On this side, I can't see the sacral foramina because the part of the sacrum, which is the wing lying here, has been crushed into that space. Okay. Sacroiliac joint on this side is normal. 
and the ilium faces in the right direction. Here, the ilium is rotated in a around the um, sagittal plane. Okay, so there is the direction of force. We have a crushing happening, and we have the ilium being rotated. Now, I've already explained this. What I haven't said was that this usually occurs when we have a pedestrian accident. Person's walking across the street, they're not seeing the vehicle coming from the side, and there's impact from the lateral aspect. So what does this tell us? This tells us that we had to have been planted at least on one foot on the ground. Anterior, posterior, the position of the legs don't really matter, but when it comes to this lateral compression force, when, when we have the force pushing in from the lateral side, I have to have had one of my limbs very forcefully on the ground, or both of them. Why is that? Because if it wasn't the case, you wouldn't have the buckling happen, you might just have a fracture of the ilium itself. Okay. Also important is that the fracture occurs at the site of injury. So sometimes when we talk about fractures, um, it happens a lot in fractures of the skull, that the force is transmitted to the opposite side. In this case, it's transmitted in the force and the break happens on the same side where the force is being applied. Okay. Now this can also be associated with an acetabular fracture. Now, when we looked at the acetabular margins, we looked at the anterior and posterior acetabular margins, you could see that they cross each other and form sort of a, um, almost like a, looks like an ampule that they form. Now, when those structures are interrupted, you wouldn't see that nice crisscross and nice smooth appearance you would again just see the discontinuity. The last fracture that we're going to talk about are vertical shear injuries. And they are usually associated with falling from a great height. Either on one leg or both legs. They may also be associated with vehicle accidents where the knees are against the dashboard. What is happening? I'm standing, well, not standing. I'm coming down, my pelvis is stable, I hit the ground, and the pelvis is crushed into the femur. The force is being put on my pelvis from the floor upward. Okay, that is how the vertical shear happens. Now, the vertical shear forces or the vertical shear fractures usually occur bilaterally. Can occur unilaterally. They are pretty common to occur bilaterally. And they may be bilateral even if you just have one leg being affected because of the forces being transmitted. Now, if you look here, there's the force being transmitted. It looks like a sort of combination between the first two that we did, right? We have the sacrospinous and the sacrotuberous ligaments being torn. We have the superior pubic ramus being 
broken, we have the inferior pubic ramus being broken, and we have the sacroiliac joint disrupted. This entire pelvic bone has shifted superiorly. Also very commonly associated with acetabular fractures. We're going to look at an example of that. So there I have my lines. And again, I'm going to look for these deformities. Now, the deformities that you can see here on this image, you can also see on the x-ray. And it'll give you another little step fracture and a big discontinuity. So this is what it looks like. It looks painful. Just looking at it. There's a complete rotation here. There's a large space here where the sacroiliac joint should only be about here. And there's a big fracture right here. I can see my ischial spine very clearly. I shouldn't be able to see my ischial spine that clearly. I can't see my acetabular fossa as clearly as I would hope. Actually, I can't see it on either side, as I would hope. So what do we have? We have a disruption of our iliopectineal line, so a fracture in the superior pubic ramus. We have a fracture on the opposite side, here, between the sacrum and the ilium. So sacroiliac joint is completely disrupted on this side well as on this side. Look at that, our pubic symphysis is still intact. I'm not sure if that's a good or a bad thing in this case, right? Okay, but how did I know it was still intact? Because of the size of the space. It's pretty much the same size as we would have under no normal circumstances. I also have an inferior pubic ramus fracture. In fact, this one is fractured in two places. Yes? I'm sure I wouldn't when I look at this image. His question is, would, would, I be, would you, meaning would somebody be able to tell which leg was extended? I'm sure people who do this on a daily basis, regular basis, would. I wouldn't know how to. I just know that in this case, there's been a disruption on both sides. If I were to guess, I would say that this is the one because of the distinction between the sacral wing and the sacroiliac joint. But to be honest, I don't know if I would be able to say for sure. Okay. So there's our fracture in our inferior pubic ramus. And you can see there's a density there indicating that not only has these fragments, has these bone fragmented, they've also crossed over each other. So I have a loose fragment on this side, here between the two fracture lines. A little piece of the ischial tuberosity that's just hanging in midair. There's a nice big tear or big space in our sacroiliac joint. And I also have an additional fracture, which may occur on the ilium itself. So this is a slightly less scary one. Here's the normal side. 
what am I looking at? The arrows are pointing to a small discontinuity here and a small discontinuity here. Where do you think this fracture is? It's in the acetabulum. Okay, the fracture is in the acetabulum. So if you look at it a little close up, here we have, so there we have a fracture along the iliopectoneal line as well, the anterior lip, and there you can see the crack straight through. Okay, straight through the acetabular margin there. Both the anterior margin is disrupted as well as the posterior margin, and we don't have the nice little appearance that we would appreciate there. If you look at this, this is a 3D reconstruction. There's the anterior lip of the acetabulum. Here we have the posterior lip of the acetabulum, and there the fracture goes through, and it's extended all the way into the acetabulum as well. Now this is kind of interesting because the fracture line here almost corresponds to the original location where our ilium and our ischium would have connected. It's quite interesting. Now, we talked a little bit about the vertical shear forces. The pressure is always being applied to the limbs. If the pressure is being applied from above, what do you guys think would happen? It, means what I, it depends on what I mean with above, right? Okay? If it's coming from here, my spine would crack. Right? That wouldn't be nice. If it's coming from the ilium, or the iliac crest, I'd much rather have a disruption in the joint, but not so much a fracture. Okay? So these, these are always associated with force coming from the feet upward. Now, another thing that we see is that in addition to the pelvis being lifted upward, being displaced superiorly, it also gets disrupted in a posterior direction. So we have multiple things happening here. The SI joint is disrupted. Sacrospinous and sacrotuberous ligaments are all broken. And even anteriorly, the pubic symphysis can be disrupted. If that does not get disrupted, then I have a fracture through either pubic rami, superior, inferior, or both. Remember we said that this can occur on one side. This may also occur on the opposite side. So the fracture of the pubic rami itself can also occur on the opposite side. The rest of it will occur on the side that the damage has happened, but, and that's probably the case we had on our uh, previous image, where the rami fractured on the contralateral side, but the sacroiliac joint and the rest of it was damaged on the side where the impact was. And then there are these rare occasions where the sacroiliac joint is not disrupted. And if that happens, instead of the joint being disrupted and all of these other fractures happening, there'll be a vertical fracture going through the, the wing of the ilium, basically splitting it in half in a vertical position. I talked briefly about the complications in the beginning, but these type of injuries are not usually associated 
or are not usually in isolation, I should say. They're often associated with other trauma, such as head trauma or spinal cord injuries or all kinds of trauma. Think about what has to happen for you to get these kind of injuries. In addition to that, there's a lot of blood vessels in the pelvic region. So any of these disruptions can tear one or more of the vessels. I've shown you a lot of pictures. You haven't seen a pelvis. The pelvic cavity is that big. It's tiny. So all of these vessels that I've shown you are squished into a small space. Any disruption of that space is going to cause a tear in either the arteries or the veins. Or both. One of the most dangerous areas to fracture your pelvic bone is around the superior pubic ramus. The reason for that is because there's an anastomosis of veins and arteries that occur around that region. Why? Because we need blood supply to the pubic symphysis. And incidentally enough, because it's so commonly damaged, it's referred to as the corona mortis. It's just an interesting thing to add on. And you'll see in the lab that in many of the specimens we have the obturator artery. Where, how do I identify the obturator artery? Goes through the obturator canal. There are many of the specimens in our lab that does not pass from the internal iliac down but rather wraps around the superior pubic ramus. Still goes through the obturator foramen, sorry, obturator canal. So it's still the obturator artery, but it wraps over the bone. And in these pelvic fractures, that artery may be damaged. Oh, corona mortis. You guys don't need to know the term, but I'll leave this open a few seconds for those of you who want to write it down. Okay, where's the acetabulum? Right there. Where's the fracture? Right there. Is there another fracture? Yes. 
right there. So this is going to be superior pubic ramus. This is going to be inferior pubic ramus. I wouldn't be able to see an acetabular fracture from this image. Not nearly lateral enough. So the answer, inferior pubic ramus. Good. We've done a lot of thorax, we've done abdomen, and now we've done pelvis. And the CTs that we're going to look at now are sort of going to combine a lot of things we've already talked about. When you're looking at a CT scan, so the next few slides are all CT scans, all series going from um, different regions of the lower abdomen, and then we're also going to look at some coronal ones. So if we look here, there's the vertebral body. I can see my ilium here. And I know this is the ilium. Why? Because I have a thickening posterior, thickening anterior, and a thin blade in between. Looking at it from an external point of view or posterior view, there's going to be gluteus muscles. At this point, I can't tell which one. I can see only portion, so it might be medius or minimus, but I can't say for sure, so I can just say gluteal vessels. On the internal surface, though, I can see iliacus. And that also indicates that I can be looking at any of my gluteal muscles. Here I have the erectus spinae on either side, and laterally to the vertebral body, I have the psoas major. Okay. Now, we've identified the ilium, with the iliacus muscle, what is this? Any idea? Bowel. Intestines. Okay? That means I'm still in the abdominal cavity. I have intestines. Yes, sometimes the um, intestines can go into the pelvic cavity, but I wouldn't be able to see it this widely. If you look here, there's the psoas muscles. What do I have here? my common iliac arteries and veins. Okay, and usually they cross over each other. Yes. Yes, there's contrast in the intestines, that's why it's white. That was his question. Okay, so my common iliac vessels here, I have them, they skip because they cross over. So if we go at a slightly different level, here I can see more of the ilium and I can see my sacroiliac joint. So if we go back to the previous one, I couldn't see the sacrum, right? So I knew I was at the upper level, probably at around L5, maybe just a little below L5. Here I can see more of the ilium. There I can see the posterior superior iliac spine. I can see my sacrum very clearly. And there is psoas muscle again. Psoas muscle seems to be fragmented because of the structures that's lying around it. There is iliacus again. What do I have here? Now I can identify the different ones. There's gluteus minimus, medius, and the beginning of maximus. And you can see here that my back muscles are getting a little thinner. They're getting slightly smaller. If we continue even further down, here we can see the ilium. Again, the inferior portion of the ilium. We're moving 
downward. So we're kind of looking at them in the wrong direction. Right? We're looking at the ilium still. Have the sacrum still. This is the lower portion of the ilium where the ilium is going to join with the other two. I can't see any of the other structures yet, but I can see a solid piece of bone that indicates it's the ilium. I can't see the femur yet. If I were to see the femur, I would think I was at a lower level. Again, I have minimus, medius, and maximus gluteal muscles, and there I can see my greater sciatic foramen. What passes through the greater sciatic foramen? My periformis muscle going from the pelvic region into the gluteal region. Right. Here's the bladder fluid fold space, but running on either side of it, I can see, or running on this side of it, there's a little bit of it over here, that there's going to be my superior vesicle artery. Just to give you an indication of what it would look like. Over here, I still have a little bit of my iliacus, and there's the remainder of psoas. Okay. What muscle do you think this would be here? the lower regions of rectus abdominis. Why? It's in the lower region, and I still have rectus abdominis. Where does rectus abdominis attach to? It attaches to the pubis. Have we encountered the pubis yet? No, so I'm still expecting to see rectus abdominis here. Can I see my lateral abdominal muscles? No, I can't. Why? Because we're too low, and all that's remaining in this point would be the aponeurosis, and that's not going to show up clearly on our image. Now we can see the femur. So I know I'm below the lowest portion of the ilium because I've reached the acetabulum, and I can identify the pubis and the ischial spine. Now, if we go back to this one, there was our greater sciatic foramen, and we have our piriformis traveling through the space. Here, obturator internus. An obturator internus travels through and wraps around to also go to the gluteal region. And in your next set of lectures, you'll identify that. Again, we can see our gluteus maximus here. I can see the femur, but I can also see a little bit of the greater trochanter over there. Further down, there's pubis again. There's going to be obturator internus wrapping around, going through the lesser sciatic notch, going to attach to the femur. You can see more of it over there. There's again gluteus maximus. And there I can see the ischium, not quite at the ischial tuberosity yet because I can still see um, a large portion of the pubis. What do you think this here would be? I'm hearing varied things. What is this cavity here? That's the acetabular cavity, so that's the anterior margin of the acetabulum. So this here is going to be the superior pubic ramus. 
Going even further down, there's pubis. There's going to be ischial tuberosity. And there is obturator internus again, wrapping around there. And there's my obturator externus. So on the previous slides, we couldn't see obturator externus, but here we can see obturator externus and internus. We're now going towards the shaft of the femur. Again, I can see my gluteus maximus. And this here is my puborectalis. And if you look very closely, that fuzzy thing there is the internal pudendal vessels. Why do I know that? All of this is fat, and this here, between the ischium and the rectum, is my issue anal fossa. There we go. Right, looking at a coronal view, here we can see a little bit more of the organs. There's the liver up here, just for orientation's sake. There's the inferior vena cava. I can see a lot of bowel in here. Again, we have a little bit of contrast. Bladder, ileum, or the anterior superior iliac spine. Our pubis right here. And here you can very nicely see how iliopsoas wraps through that space to go and attach on the lower limb. So you guys running away, I have another question, so you might want to be sure you stick around for that. Here we're looking at a coronal as again, we have the vertebral bodies here, and you can see psoas attaching to the transverse processes of the lower lumbar vertebrae. There's the ilium again, and if I follow this down, there's going to be the sacroiliac joint, and there's the issue pubic ramus. How do I know it's the ramus? Because I can see the shape. It's small and nearly oval-shaped. If it was closer to the tuberosity, I would see more of a teardrop-shaped structure. What's nice on this image here is I can see levator ani coming down. And this is how you can appreciate that funnel-shaped effect that levator ani has and its association with the obturator internus. Right. Okay. Ooh. Okay, well, there's an overwhelming consensus. I don't know what the number is there. What are we dealing with? 
It shows fine. Good job, guys. I'll see you in lab.